people that you hang out with really do determine your destiny. And Jared, you're a shining example of this. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show, but you connect so many different people. My best friend is the same way. He connects people in ways where they don't even realize it. And the world is becoming smaller and smaller because of it. You know, there's just so networking is important. And I hate that word, but, you know, finding ways to connect with others who have, you know, it doesn't have to be the same interest. Connecting with others and just forging relationships, it's just been so big for me this year, and I would just encourage anyone else to do that. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. We're very fortunate today to have a special co-host. It is Miranda Markwit from PlantingMoneySeeds.com. Hey, Miranda. Hi, thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. And of course, our official co-host, as always, is Kamanzi Constable, joining us from Maui, Hawaii. Hey, Kamanzi. Hey, Jared. Aloha. And hello to all my Star of the Doubts peeps. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the Star of the Doubts peeps are in for a pleasure today because we have none other than Stone Cold Steve Stewart. (laughs) Steve Stewart is a personal finance architect helping you to pay attention, not interest. He is a financial wellness speaker, podcaster, and Plutus award-winning blogger. You can learn more about Steve by going to moneyplansos.com. That's just one of many projects he's doing. Oh, by the way, it's his birthday. So happy birthday, Steve, and welcome to the show. I made it around the sun one more time. (laughs) All right. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. (laughs) All right, Steve. So you're no stranger to the show. You, You and I have actually been on this show before. Would you be willing real quick just to talk about that? Yeah, that was fun. I was trying to come up with a really cool April Fool's Day joke last year, and I decided I was going to try and commandeer other people's shows for the day. <laughs> so I convinced three people to let me do that. Uh, one you've had on your show before was James Kinson. Actually, I think he's been on your show twice now from Cash Car Convert. I took over his show for April Fool's Day. I also took over Stacking Benjamin's podcast for one day. And then you and I turned the tables. I interviewed you for Star of the Delts on April Fool's Day. And that's how it yeah, happened. Yeah, crazy enough. A lot of people are like, man, that was a great episode. And I'm thinking <laughs> it was me. Are you kidding? Yeah, maybe it's my grandma just being nice. But uh, yeah, no, Steve, we appreciate that. That was fun to have you on. It's good to have you back this time. You're on the hot seat. So you know this question's coming. What is the best concert that you have ever been to? I have to give you two because they're equal in my mind. The first concert I ever really went to, the real concert that I ever went to is on par with the second. The first one was Herbie Hancock back when he was doing his rocket tour. Uh, We went to go see Grandmaster DST, who was the guy who does all the scratching. And they had, you know, if you ever saw the video for Rocket by Herbie Hancock, you see the legs, you know, they're dancing in the air. It was all there. It was very cool. But well, I'm scratching right now because I've never heard of Herbie. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, whoa. <laughs> I'm scratching my head. <laughs> You've got to go back. He's actually a jazz. Same, yeah, same on me. Yeah, he's a jazz artist that started doing some really cool stuff with new technology. Got a new guy in the group for that. It was just very cool. Anyway, the second one was a complete surprise. I got tickets to go see a show downtown Chicago. Didn't really know too much about the group. I heard their album. I liked it. Went to the show, and it was by a group called Sunscream. And they came out and they did their show. Actually, started with one of the members of the group. We didn't even realize it. He was a DJ. He was out there just mixing records. Didn't do a very great job. But then the band just started coming out and playing with the music. And then it just became this concert. But the weirdest thing, this is what was most memorable about that concert, was in the middle of this dance floor, just jumping up and down, right, with the rhythm. In the middle of this dance floor, there's this guy and he has a plastic cow figure in his hand. (laughs) He's holding it up in the air and he's dancing. I'm like, where the heck did that come from? So that was just one of those crazy experiences, favorite concert right there. 
sunscreen. Well, Kamanzi is notorious for bringing plastic cans oh. to concerts. So to Taylor Jared, Swift shows. Jared, <laughs> to Taylor we're Swift supposed show. to have one episode where we don't bring it up. Remember <laughs> <laughs> the plastic coward, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. We said we we're going to go uh, Taylor Swift for one episode. Epic fail on my end. I tell you what. Why don't we? Fix the episode now by rolling into blank versus blank. Let's go over to Miranda. Miranda, will you kick us off? Yeah. So, Steve, if we were to Google your name, what would we Google? Would we Google Steve Stewart or Steve Stewart sucks? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, there's got to be a backstory to this, right? Well, uh, I just went through a rebranding. I'm turning Money Plan SOS into just one of the things that I do. And so I've been working with my branding coach, Ryan Roten. He's been helping me to design this new image, which really is just me. It's just expanded. And I decided to go and do a a Google search to see where I showed up. And I Googled Steve Stewart. I showed up in, I think it was the third and fourth spot. And then I thought, okay, what else could I find? You know, I could do Money Plan SOS and all that stuff. But I thought, okay, let's do the anti-Steve Stewart. Steve Stewart sucks. (laughs) (laughs) So you'll find me in both places, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, I think we all probably have those issues. I bet we could all put our names in there and find it. Well, you know, Steve, there's people that say if you don't have any haters, you're not doing something right. There you go. So who hated? (laughs) (laughs) I think it was my Twitter handle or something. I don't know. Somebody hated on your Twitter? Uh, My Twitter handle. Interesting. Oh, wait. No, I remember what it was. Actually, uh, there's a guy who has a blog called Debt Sucks Blog. And because my name was associated with that, that's what came up in the results. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, don't be on that show, Miranda. <laughs> Jared, Jared, I'm afraid to put in Kamanzi Constable Sucks. I don't even want to know. <laughs> uh, we, we know Kamanzi has some hate. Oh, so. big time. Steve, let's do finish this sentence. The best way to say goodbye to Macaroni Grill is to. The best way to say goodbye to Macaroni Grill. As some of people listening to this know, they went out of business, at least in our area. I don't know why, but uh, my daughter and I drove by one and, and we saw the Serve Pro trucks in the parking lot. And it's just a sad thing. So I don't know. I don't know where you're going with that. But I you know, took a picture of it, tweeted it, said thanks you know, for the good times. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for teaching me how to write my name upside down. <laughs> it's, it's that was one of my daughter's real. favorite things. She loved Dude, that. Dude, mine too. Totally. Do they have macaroni grill on Maui, Kamanzi? Uh, no, they do not. Not anymore? They we, got, the we got Star Noodle. Remember that, Jared? Star Noodle? I never had Star Noodle. Shame it. on me. When you come to visit, you can, well, I'll take you there. Well, I, you know, speaking of Star Noodle, I think that was the nickname of Steve Stewart in high school. Is that, <laughs> wow. Is that not true, Steve? No? No. no? Oh, so Ryan has helped you correct that branding. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> let, let's go into some content here. All right, so Steve, I think we're on the record here, and you can be honest. Uh, you can reveal to the Star of the Doubts peeps, as Kamazi calls him. Why do you hate journalists like Miranda so much? <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Uh, <laughs> so she, she's listening, by the way. I'm yeah. right here, Steve. I'm right here. No pressure. Here. Oh, well, I'll tell you. Actually, Miranda's a, a peach. I love her <laughs> to death. We've had some great exchanges. The problem with... Some of the advice you hear on the internet, and I, I can't exclude myself, I mean, I could be part of that as well, is we've got people who are telling others how to handle their money and things like that. But there seems to be a conflict of interest sometimes where somebody puts something out and it's really just to sell a product. But with journalists, you know, they're coming out, I wouldn't say journalists so much, I would say bloggers who become journalists, because the bloggers sometimes have a conflict of interest there where they're trying to promote a credit card that has a kickback for selling it through the, their website or something like that. That's where I get a little bit of an issue is, you know, we we give this advice freely from our own experiences, which is good. But then to make that sound like it's the only way or the, you know, there's not the A and the B. There's always just 
to improve your credit, you have to do this. Well, what if I don't need to improve my credit? Where's the other side of that? You know, why don't I just focus on building wealth and not credit? So when we say I hate, you know, journalists like that, it's just that conflict of interest that comes from some of the articles that I see online. And it always seems a little one-sided. To be fair to Steve and the quote-unquote blogger journalist, a lot of these large websites now, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur Magazine, any large website you can name, now take on contributors. And the contributors do not work for those organizations, but they do write for them. So when you want to write, for example, I wrote an article about the five best conferences to attend, and I included podcast movement in that and a few other conferences that I liked. And one guy went on there and he went nuts. He's like, why wasn't my conference on there, this and that? And so there, it's kind of a fine line with this is my opinion, but I'm also writing an entrepreneur. So the, the water is a little murky. Well, one of the issues, and I'm saying this as a journalist who became a blogger instead of a blogger who became a journalist. One of the things that I find is there's disappearing line between content marketing and journalism these days because everything is content marketing now more so than it used to be. I mean, there always used to be an element of that in journalism, but even more now online, the line is almost gone and almost anything you read is, is content marketing and it, it's there for a purpose a lot of the time, no matter where you're reading it. Yeah, I have to agree with that because sometimes we read these things, we think they are the expert, then we come to find out that they're a journalist, they were writing the articles, they've had some experiences with finances, but they aren't financial advisors. And I'll go on record to say too, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm a financial coach. So, you know, everybody should take what they read online, what they see online, what they hear with a grain of salt. Remember the source that it's coming from. Yeah. So if you Google your name and it says sucks, you know, know, don't be offended. Then you know it's true, right? That's right. All right, Miranda, let's keep trucking here. Yeah. So what is the key to a purposeful purchase, Steve? Do you always have a purpose for your money? I think everything we do has to have a purpose for our money with the caveat that there's some money that you can just blow. When you purchase something, I believe, and this again, this is my opinion, I believe there needs to be a reason for that. Now, a lot of times we think about, well, I go to the grocery store, I buy food. Well, there's a reason you buy food. You need to live till next week so you can buy more food. If without the purchase of food, you obviously wouldn't make it. But then if you're buying something, you know, entertainment, you know, any of the luxuries in life that we have, you know, does that help you to reach your goals? And the goals are much, much bigger than this one individual purchase. So that's why I say there's got to be a purpose behind it. And yes, I want a new iPhone, so I'll save up and pay for it and I'll get it. Did that help me reach my goal, my overreaching goal? Maybe not, but it does help me, you know, get through life. I use my iPhone a lot, but it didn't damage it. And I think that's the important piece there is, okay, it's that opportunity cost that you have to consider when you're buying something. Steve, fill in the blank. The thing I hate most to spend money on is? The thing I hate to spend money on is? Well, it would be interest. Um, I'm just going to say, come on. Yeah, Do you have to it really think about is just this? interest. <laughs> I won't have to think about it after another 10, 12 months. We're going to have our house paid off. There's not going to be a right. single debt in our household. After that, I don't have to worry about paying interest. So I feel great. Good for you, man. Thank you. That's fantastic. All right. So for those who are paying interest and they're trying to budget their money and track that, what budgeting money tracking tool do you prefer? Do you like Mint? Do you like YNAB? What's your uh, preference there? Well, my wife and I use YNAB. She YNAB. she bought onto YNAB. Uh, it's acronym for You Need a Budget, YNAB. And the reason I like it and the reason she like it, likes it are two different reasons completely. One, she likes it because A, 
I don't have to bring my laptop out and open up the old Excel spreadsheet anymore. That just got to be a chore. It wasn't fun. You know, trying to share a screen at the table is, you know, it's no fun. Whereas with YNAB, they have a couple of really cool features where you can sync the data that's in that program to the cloud. She can have a copy on her computer. I can have a copy on my computer. And the coolest thing is I can track my spending, watch my spending and record my spending right from my phone, whether it's an Android or my iPhone, because I can be standing at the gas pump. And as soon as that gas pump clicks off, I can get my phone out, enter it. It saves it to the cloud. And the next time we look at our budget and it's within 10 seconds, I've tested it, then it's already been tracked. And if you can track your expenses, I know Mint does a good job at that, but that's after the fact. If you track your expenses, it helps you to budget better because you know what your real spending is. And then you can forecast what you need for the next month, keep you in line. And again, we're going to be talking about these goals, you know, these overreaching goals. What is your goal with every purchase? It's going to help you to maintain that month to month spending. then what's the best thing someone can do if he or she wants to improve her finances? The best thing someone can do to improve their finances is decide today to stop borrowing more money, to start paying off debt, get on a plan and start, of course, saving money. And there's kind of a a process or, you know, a timeline you need to follow with that. You can't do it all at once. So you need to start taking some small steps to improve your finances. But really, the decision is the main thing here is to decide I'm going to make my finances better. I'm going to stop spending carelessly. I'm going to start putting money aside for emergencies. I'm going to start getting out of debt and I'm going to start saving for fill in the blank. Steve, let's talk about the American dream. What do you think is the real American dream in your humble opinion, of course? And do you think that there is one American dream? No, I think the American dream is different for everybody. I do believe there is something to say about having a home, you know, with the white picket fence, that whole image of that. When you think about a home, or I should say a house, you're really thinking about you know, that this is my place. This is my comfort. I come here to escape. This is where I raise my family, the comforts of home, the luxuries of life. So there is that type of a vision. But I think financial freedom overreaches all of that. When you think about everything that we do in America has to do with money. Money is the great equalizer. We all can do different things, but we all need to have money to be able to do a lot of these things. You know, if you're going to go out and buy some luxury items, you need money for that. If you're going to just buy groceries, you got to have money for that. If you're going to buy a house, you need to somehow get money to pay that off or or to buy it straight out. So I think financial freedom overall is the American dream, financial independence, obviously. But it could be, you know, if you wanted to draw a picture of what it looks like, you know, that would help you to determine what that really is. What is it for you? Is it travel? Is it not having to work? Is it, you know, having everything paid off and just being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want? That's what I think the, the American dream is. All right, so we're going to do a little debate here, Steve. Uh, you and Miranda are going to be on the debate uh, table, if you will. I'm already right, going so Steve, down on this one. <laughs> Steve's we've, birthday we've is today. <laughs> Steve's birthday is today, so he gets to go first. Otherwise, it'd be late. <laughs> so the question to Steve, and then the question to Miranda. So starting with you, Steve, what's wrong with rewards credit cards if you pay them off each month? What's wrong with the rewards on the credit cards? Okay. <laughs> the reason I believe that there's a problem with that is because people start to try and earn the rewards. They don't, again, pay as much attention to their spending habits. So it seems like it's okay to do so. But bigger problem than that, nobody really realizes except maybe small business owners and you know the people who look at their P&Ls. When you use a credit card as a credit card, you, know, you swipe through, you don't use a PIN number, debit card, any type of thing. When you use a credit card, 
the vendor has to pay between two to four percent of whatever that transaction is to the credit card company for processing that transaction and things like that. So we're talking about sapping two to four percent of their profit away from them, sending it to a bank on the East Coast or wherever. When we have options like paying with cash, some places still accept a paper check or a debit card. And if you can run your transaction through like a debit card, I was just interviewing Gary Leland, a friend of, of ours who has a small business. And he says, you know what? When I run my transaction through like a debit card, I don't get two to 4%. I get charged like 25 cents, 25 cents. So if he sells a hundred dollars with the stuff, it's a difference of two and a half bucks in that transaction. And I'd rather Gary kept that two and a half bucks than it go to a credit card company on the East coast. See, I can't, right, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I, I, can't no, argue with, I can't argue <laughs> yeah. with the moral position that I'm a terrible person because I use, I use rewards cards. I mean, the bottom line is that, you know, the biggest thing with the rewards card, like Steve did point out, was if you start, you know, spending and the rewards points become your goal and become your main purpose, because then you can start rationalizing, oh, well, I'm going to get points. So it's OK if I spend on this thing that I wasn't planning on spending for and that I don't need or particularly want. And that's when it comes to become problematic from that sort of a standpoint when you stop thinking about it. I think that it's very important to spend consciously and make sure what you're spending on does reflect your values and your priorities as far as your money goes. So if you're going to use a rewards card and you're going to you know, rack up those rewards, I think it's important that your spending reflects, still reflects what you want to spend your money on and that you don't turn it into a rationalization to spend more than you should. And then as far as you know, where the business goes. I do get kind of conflicted about that sometimes, but ultimately I'm just selfish enough to still want my rewards. So here we are. Well, I think the, the major <laughs> difference, as Steve pointed that out, is you, Miranda, are responsible, whereas the average person... And, well, I was going to say, we've had this out before where, you know, the other <laughs> thing too is it, it raises prices for everybody else. And so, you know, yeah, I'm getting the advantage here, but I'm getting it on the back of some poor sap who doesn't know any better and who's making poor decisions. So, I mean, you know, you have to kind of balance your own, you know, moral feelings about that too when, when you use your rewards card. So, and that's the reason why I don't play. <laughs> Steve, what do you think about this whole movement of like travel hacking? Like these guys that are using these airline credit cards where you rack up, you can get miles for these cards and they have five or six cards and they get millions of miles. What do you think of that whole movement? Uh, see, this is going to sound condemning again. Like I'm calling those people, you know, jerks for doing that. But, <laughs> Once you understand where that money is coming from, it does give you a bad taste in your mouth because if, think about it, the credit card company that's giving you those free airline tickets, they have to buy the tickets somehow. They don't just give them to you out of the good free will of, of their hearts. It's a business and that money has to come from somewhere. And if you think about all the places that banks who offer credit card you know, reward programs, where they get the money from, it's on the back of the consumer. It's the consumer who pays for that, whether it's the swipe fees, whether it's their interest charges for those who don't pay off their balance every month, over the limit fees. All those late pay fees, those fees count as the profit and the profit is where they're going to be pulling money from to be able to make these wonderful offers to travel hackers. So I'm not trying to make people feel bad about doing that. Just be aware of, you know, where's that free ticket really coming from? I'm guilty of not thinking about that. I, I'm just like, I just like the free ticket. So I needed <laughs> yeah, you I know, on right? the show today, Steve. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? <laughs> you are the conscience here, Steve. Thank you. Now, let me let me jump in here and talk a little bit more about reward programs, because I don't think that they're wrong completely. It's just the ones with credit cards that makes me feel weird, because you'll get rewards programs from companies that this is their marketing tool. And that what they're offering really is a service or a product. You know, I don't know what credit card company really offers you 
that you don't already have the option of doing in other ways like debit cards or even paying with cash. But, you know, I'll give you an example of how I know that reward points drive people's decisions because there's uh, gas stations in Indianapolis. And if I'm ever out in Indianapolis, I will go to one station over the other, provided the prices are the same. They usually are. But I'll go to one because they offer a rewards program that'll get me a free soda, you know, after 10,000 points or whatever like that. So, you know, that is a bargain. Exactly. So I will choose one over the other just because of the rewards program. The difference is I'm not sapping money out of, you know, their profitability by using the credit card. I'm not uh, encouraging a, we'll just say, a business of credit cards who fill your mailboxes up with offers and, and things like that. Steve, we're going to shift gears here slightly. This is called the Starbucks portion of the interview. <laughs> and what's going to happen now is we're going to be transported into a Starbucks. You just got to imagine this, all right? And we're sitting there. You're having whatever. What, you, what beverage are you having, Steve? Well, I don't drink coffee, so we'll go with uh, so iced kind of tea. tea. Yeah. You're having that glass of iced tea, that cup of iced tea with your name grossly misspelled. It's <laughs> S-T-I-V, Stiv. And we're sitting there, and the question pops up. Steve, I want 2015 to be my best financial year ever. I haven't really paid attention to it. What can I do to, to really just make this the best financial year I've ever had? For that person who's in that situation, what advice are you giving them in Starbucks? Make more money. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a whole bunch of things that can go into you know the advice I give. And I've got to look at the person and say, okay, where are you with your finances? What's the next logical step you can take right now? What's the steps that you can take over the next couple of weeks, months, whatever, that will make you more financially secure by the end of the year without damaging any other goals and things like that they have? But, you know, we have to look at that person because a single mom has a completely different dynamic than a married couple who might just want to be doing better with their money. You know, they might have a couple hundred thousand dollars in 401ks. They just want to do better with the money that they are making. I think that's fair. So for a lot of people that listen to this show, Steve, are their dads, you know, and, and they're trying to be responsible with their money. Maybe they got, you know, like you said, the 401k. So for someone who, who has been responsible, but they just haven't been uh, uh, really doing amazing things with their finances yet, maybe what would you say to that person? You'll have to rephrase that question again. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think it's the iced tea. That's, uh, <laughs> Did you post no, something I, I think, extra I think in there? There's, yeah, I think there's a lot of listeners who aren't living paycheck necessarily, but they're just wanting to have some good advice, good financial tips for this year. What do you say to them? What do I say to them? I say pay attention. Pay attention to what you're doing with the money. Because when you focus your attention on what you want, you know, it doesn't have to be money. It could be your relationship with your spouse. It could be your kids. It could be your career. When you focus your attention on those things, then you're able to make some real headway, some real moves, some improvements that you wouldn't get if you just didn't pay attention to it. Well said. Sorry, did I get cut off there? No, that was good. Okay. We've left Starbucks. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think at this point, we're going to go into our wrap up. So go ahead, Miranda. Yeah. So who is doing something that interests you? Who's doing something that interests me? I'm going to go with Tom Corley right now because he did something today that really blew my mind. I wasn't expecting it. Tom Corley is the author of the book, Rich Habits. He studied mm -hmm. the habits of, I think it was over 250 wealthy people. And almost 200 people who weren't wealthy, we'll say. And he, he found the habits to be quite different between the two. And there's almost this causation that, well, you can't say causation or correlation, but he found these really interesting results that, you know, 
people who were wealthy tended to do this. People who weren't wealthy tended to do that. One of the things he found was that the wealthy tend to, he said 80% of the wealthy do what he calls the birthday call. He'll call people, not just immediate family, but he'll call people that he knows on their birthday and wish them a happy birthday. Well, my phone rang just around noon today. And it was Tom Corley. Uh, <laughs> nice. He had been a guest on my show. It's one of my most downloaded episodes. And somehow he knew it was my birthday. He decided to pick up the phone, give me a call and wish me a happy birthday. So he's really doing a lot of cool stuff with the studies. I know he's got something new coming out pretty soon. I'm really looking forward to what that is. But yeah, Tom Corley, interesting guy. Steve, you might be destined to poverty because you didn't call me on my birthday. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> was it publicly announced? I don't remember. No, okay. That's my fault. All right. I'm just joking, by the way. All right. Come on. Are you yep. still with us? Yep. So, Steve, what is the best place for the Starve the Doubts peeps to stay connected with everything you're doing online? Oh, softball pitch. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, like, like I mentioned earlier, I just finished. Well, actually, I'm almost finished with the rebranding and it's the Steve Stewart brand now. They can find me easily at stevestewart.me. I couldn't get the .com because the guy who owned that has owned it since 1997. I think that was even before I had my first computer, and I don't think he's getting rid of it anytime soon. So stevestewart.me is the first place they can go there and find out pretty much all about me. They can sign up for my Attention to Money resource guide, which also give them reminders via their email throughout the year when it's time to pay attention to a specific finance thing. Or my favorite place is Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at MoneyPlanSOS. Steve, now with the branding change, are you going to change to, you know, the real Steve Stewart on Twitter? <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to keep Money Plan SOS right now just because I've fostered so many great relationships with people. I don't want to lose that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, Steve, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? What if I were to just say no? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your birthday. You have that right. So. Yeah. Well, let me say something here, because one thing I have found over the past, just the past couple of years is. The people that you hang out with really do determine your destiny. And Jared, you're a shining example of this. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show, but you connect so many different people. My best friend is the same way. He connects people in ways where they don't even realize it. And the world is becoming smaller and smaller because of it. And I'm able to, you know, like Miranda, I can pretty much call Miranda now. It's not a big deal. Whereas a year ago, I knew who she was. We talked a little bit at a conference and I was just a, a big fan of hers. But Oh, you that's know. so sweet. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's just so so networking is important. And I hate that word. But, you know, finding ways to connect with others who have, you know, it doesn't have to be the same interest as Miranda can tell you about her credit cards. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's just connecting with others and just forging relationships. It's just been so big for me this year. And I would just encourage anyone else to do that. You know, second goal for today's show was to connect Miranda with good advice on rewards credit cards. Right. So I hope we manage that. I'll well, find yeah, a good he, journalist who can write that for you. That's right. <laughs> he keeps telling me this thing. He keeps telling me this, but I still just keep off in my wicked ways. Hey, Steve, after this is over, can I call you too? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call Steve on his birthday. All right, Steve, we appreciate you being on the hot seat. Best wishes to you, and stevestewart.me is the place to go. So thanks again, Steve. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, Kamazi. The best thing someone can do to improve their finances is decide today to stop borrowing more money, to start paying off debt, get on a plan, and start, of course, saving money. And there's kind of a, pro a process or you know a timeline you need to follow with that. 
you can't do it all at once. So you need to start taking some small steps to improve your finances. But really, the decision is the main thing here is to decide, I'm going to make my finances better. I'm going to stop spending carelessly. I'm going to start putting money aside for emergencies. I'm going to start getting out of debt and I'm going to start saving for or fill in the blank. 